Welcome to the Saturday Cadence Podcast, your ultimate destination for all things college football. I am your host, Blake Biscardi, and our podcast is a must-listen for avid fans, casual enthusiasts, and anyone looking to immerse themselves in the thrilling world of college football. Join myself and David Wertheim as we guide you through the intricacies of college football, offering valuable insights, analysis, and captivating discussions while keeping you up to date with the latest news and recruiting developments. We go beyond the headlines, which is what separates our show from other college football outlets. Our podcast is not just about news and analysis, it's also about the people behind the game. That's right, it's about you, the fan. We bridge the gap between fan and fame. Join us and embrace the thrill, excitement, and strategic brilliance that define college football. Tune in, stay informed, and be a part of the conversation that shapes the sport we all love. I'm Blake Biscardi, and remember, the Saturday Cadence Podcast is the heartbeat of college football. The luck of the Irish didn't quite last 60 minutes. Coaching sound bites, and who's really good and who's not? Welcome to the heartbeat of college football. Blake Biscardi and David Wertheim with you for the 47th episode of the Saturday Cadence podcast, part of the Silver Bulletin Network. We promise to have all 11 players on the field during our show. All right, David, so pretty entertaining weekend of college football. Ohio State, Notre Dame, instant classic. I gave some of my thoughts earlier in the week, so I want to get yours right off the top here. And then we'll start breaking it down again. Yeah, it certainly was an entertaining game. And, you know, I was watching like many other Ohio State fans and Notre Dame fans with, you know, on the edge of our seat, biting our fingernails and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, there was a lot of stuff leading up into the game, a lot of trash talk on both sides from the fans. And obviously we heard what Ryan Day said after the game, and we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, people were billing it as the game of the year early. And so far it certainly lived up to the hype, uh, a game that was literally decided on the final play. And as a college football fan, there's nothing else you could ask for in that regard. I mean, it was, it was a battle till the very end and, you know, both teams have things they can improve on and both teams had things they did really well. And, you know, I don't think there's, there's anywhere you could say, look, you know, Notre Dame's not a national title contender anymore because I think they certainly played a great game. And obviously Ohio State came out on top and still has some things to work on, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But really impressive on both sides. It's just a well-fought, good college football game between two, you know, historic programs. So um, really lived up to the billing there. That was my biggest takeaway, too, is that we knew we were going to learn a lot about both teams in that ball game. And after the game, I didn't feel like either team was worse than I expected. I thought both teams were actually better, especially in the big moments. We saw them. It was just haymakers back and forth the entire game. Notre Dame got the early stops on fourth down. Then Ohio State countered with one of their own. Same thing there in the second half. Ohio State started off the third quarter, stopping Sam Hartman short. And Notre Dame countered with that with four minutes to go inside the red zone. And Ohio State tried to break it outside with Ibuka. And the defenses really were the story of the ball game. And then really, I think it's not getting enough credit because I went back and watched it. JT Tuimolowal, he got the sack on first down there on that last drive after the defense had just given up two straight first downs. But then that second down play where he almost picked off the screen pass, if he doesn't get his hands on that football, the running back still might be running. There was so much green grass. That could have ended the game there. So that play not getting enough credit, in my opinion. But fiery matchup. Both teams are in that 
national championship and college football playoff contender for sure. I certified them on the show earlier this week. From the offense with Ohio State now, since they won the game, are you seeing enough steady progression from the offense and Kyle McCord where you're comfortable knowing this team's going to continue to grow? Because like we talked about on the show and in the preseason before, it was going to take time with Ohio State. I think I'm seeing the steady growth. What about you when you look at how McCord kind of progressed through the game and really had to man up and stare defeat in the face of 86,000 fans at the end there with a minute and 25 to go? Well, I was impressed by McCord. I think there were a couple of things you could point to. The first being the excellent, excellent game played by Benjamin Morrison for Notre Dame. Really took yes. away Marvin Harrison for a large portion of that game. Obviously, you had the injury mixed in there, too. Uh, Marv's ankle being rolled up on on that long Travion Henderson touchdown run. Uh, but I thought Morrison played a great game overall. And I think you saw McCord kind of shift his eyes away from Harrison to Emeka Ibuka, Kate Stover. Obviously, they got Henderson involved. Um, so I think that was the first big key, right? We've talked a lot about the high school relationship between McCord and Harrison and how those guys obviously have thrown and caught together for a long time. Uh, but it was impressive to see McCord kind of shifting there when he had to towards Egbuka, who picked up a million big third downs, it seemed like. He did have that bad drop in the end zone, but you know he picked up a million third downs. Cade Stover was excellent throughout the game in the receiving area as well. And I thought it was a pretty impressive performance from McCord. And like you said, for a guy who's inexperienced to be able to march down down the field there at the end with a minute 25 to go, having to go pretty much, you know, almost a full length of the field there. I was impressed with what he did. And I know a lot of Ohio State fans have been talking about how without Devin Brown looking over his shoulder, you're going to see McCord play more open and free. And, and I saw some of that. And I, and I think he still was a little too close to some of those throws. There were a couple – almost interception you can look back at. And that's not to say that, you know, it's a McCord thing. Sam Hartman had the same thing. You just mentioned the one on JT Tuiomolo on screen pass breakup. But there's still a couple of throws I'm sure he'd like to have back and ones that'll hopefully hit as the season goes on. Uh, but I was impressed. I was impressed. It's not easy to walk into that environment and lead that last second drive down the field, especially when Ohio State's offense have been struggling there in the latter part of the game, getting stopped on that big fourth down the drive before on the Emeka Gruka jet sweep. Um, so I was impressed. I think I think there's a lot of room to grow still, but you know it's not easy to do what he did, and it's not something we've really seen from Ohio State quarterbacks in the past. You know, C.J. Stroud kind of had that opportunity against Oregon and failed. Justin Fields didn't really have that opportunity in his first couple starts. The last one you could really point at would be Dwayne Haskins kind of being thrown into the fire in that Michigan game back in 2017. Uh, so I was impressed with what McCord did, and I think there's a lot of room to build off that. Especially, too, all of that happened against a top-10 team on the road at night in that environment. I mean, everything is pointing to you like, whoa, fifth start versus a quarterback in his 50th start. It was a big moment for McCord, and to see him step up in that way, was huge not only for him at just as, from a confidence perspective, but to the Ohio State offense because being able to do that on the road against a team of that caliber just speaks of how battle-tested your offense is and that they can get that yard like they did at the end of the season or at the end of the game there, rather. They can make the plays when they need it most. I know they had some mishaps on offense. That's because the defense in that game was stellar. It wasn't because of bad execution outside of a couple of dropped passes, which are natural in a football game. But the defenses really were so very good. And then two, the biggest thing I took away from Ohio State's defense was that watching that second half, they really approached this game like the Michigan game. I, I said to my dad while I was watching the game, and I texted it in our group chat that 
it felt the same as the end of that Michigan game or the end of that Georgia game where they were just getting their will imposed on them for a couple of drives and the defense couldn't get off the field. Not that it was bad. I mean, they held Notre Dame's offense to 14 points for the entire game. The defense played very, very well. But for Ohio State only getting eight possessions, which, number one, that has not happened since 2002, having so few possessions in a game. So that just ups the ante and the importance of each possession that much more. But, I mean, seeing what the defense was able to do there, they finally got the stops. That's what makes this year's team different from last year's and the year before that and even the national championship team, is that they made those plays. They got the stop when they needed to, to give the offense the chance. Because against Michigan, the offense didn't get the chance. You know, they were scoring. They had their own miscues or what have you. But when the defense needed the most, they couldn't get the stop. And in this game against Notre Dame, they did get the stop. And that's the biggest uh, stepping stone from Jim Knowles from year one to year two now under his system, that the defense is there and that this team is going to be balanced on both sides, and either side of the football can now win a football game for the Buckeyes. Yeah, defense looked really good. The back end has probably been the strongest point so far for Ohio State this season. Denzel yes. Burke seems back to what he was his freshman year. Lathan Ransom maybe the most underrated player on that defense, and if he doesn't slip against Georgia back in that college football playoff game last year, he's probably viewed as an All-American right now, um, and you feel kind of bad for him. Sonny Styles. Huge play there, stuffing Sam Hartman, uh, along with Ransom, on uh, one of the opportunities there late in the game. And um, the defensive back end has just looked really strong. Uh, linebacker play, a little more suspect than we thought, I think. Tommy Eichenberg is still chambers, still flying around, getting to the football. At the same time, you know, it's not exactly the type of play we expected from both those guys. Um, and the defensive line, uh, the pressure is something that Ohio State fans have harped on all year. I think opposing quarterbacks and opposing offenses – uh, really focusing on getting the ball out quickly. But we saw on that last drive with J.T. Tuimolo out just absolutely wrecking it, similarly to Penn State last year, how much of an impact this defensive line can have. Tyleek Williams had an excellent game. Mike Hall was involved on a couple of stops. Jack Sawyer involved uh, on a couple of stops. And um, so, yeah, the defense looks really strong. Jim Knowles talked all offseason about limiting the big plays. That was the next step, and they've done that so far this year. Yeah, they really have. And it was just, again, an all-around impressive, gritty road win for Ohio State. And, you know, they heard the noise all week. You heard Ryan Day in his pregame interview saying they heard the noise. They were an angry football team. They were on a mission, and that mission was accomplished. But, David, we had Ryan Day give us a pretty entertaining soundbite there at the end in his postgame interview, calling out Lou Holtz and really the national media. It wasn't so much directed toward Lou Holtz. It was more so toward the media and the fan base and Lou Holtz as well. It wasn't just toward him. And then Dan Lanning also had one for Oregon before they played Colorado saying, they're playing for clicks. We're playing for wins. This game's not played in Hollywood. It's played on the field. Which soundbite was better in your mind there? I think they were both effective in what they were doing, but which one stuck out to you more? Uh, they both stuck out for different reasons. I think Ohio State, Ryan Day stuck out because it's a lot of what people had been saying throughout the week that Ohio State needs to be physical to win this game. And Ryan Day heard it. They did it. He has every right to talk. And I give him credit for doing it. And I think you're right. It wasn't really Lou Holt specifically. He was just the one that kind of stuck out um, and has since doubled down. And I look forward to Ryan Day's rebuttal if there is one, although I expect he'll take the high road um, and not say anything anymore. You got his point across. Um, but at Dan Lanning, people were talking about Colorado all week long. The Colorado players were talking. You know, we had the whole logo controversy at midfield, all that kind of stuff. And I think what he said is valid, too. 
You know, I think both of these coaches are, are free to speak their minds. I don't think it's fair that, you know, Colorado gets a free pass. And they certainly haven't got a free pass because Deion Sanders, of course, has been crucified by many people across the country, fans and media alike. But at the same time, you know, they, they were still coming in as the underdog. And it's not exactly fair to Dan Lanning that, hey, you know, we're Oregon. We're here, too. And it's not fair that you guys get to just go up on our logo and talk to our players and this kind of stuff without expecting anything in return. So I see the reasons why both of them did it, and and I approve both of their messages. And honestly, I kind of wish it was something we'd see more, right? I like seeing the emotion and the passion that these coaches have. Uh, obviously, they care deeply about their players. So I liked it. I, I would I would like to see more of that in big moments. Um, and good for those guys, honestly. Do you like retro apparel with vintage logos, or do you prefer more current? Either way, Homefield has you covered. They pride themselves on celebrating the history and tradition of colleges and universities across the nation, while also highlighting the present day. With over 150 schools to choose from, check out Homefield for all your apparel needs this season. Whether it's a t-shirt, hoodie, or loungewear, Homefield is the only place you should shop for your favorite college apparel. Use code CADENCE at checkout to receive 15% off your first order today. Yeah, last thing I'll say on that too is I think more so Ryan Day's message was geared also to the recruits and to the players. They were geared toward that Ohio State base as well. As much as it was calling out the national media, he was also taking that stance toward this is a family. This is the brotherhood. I've got these kids' backs. If you come play for me, this is the kind of coach I am. This is the kind of staff we have. This is the kind of brotherhood that we have between teammates and that we're going to stick up for each other. So I thought that was another just underlying thing, too, that recruits would love. And you know that was a huge hit in the locker room with the players because you saw the emotion from Kyle McCord and a lot of the defenders. Everybody, really, you saw the emotion come through. But it, it really hit well, I think, for the people that it needed to hit well with. But anyway, let's move on now. Last week, we said Washington was one of the better teams in the country that wasn't getting enough credit. Michael Penix is playing outstanding football. Kalen DeBoer has something special happening up there in Seattle. I mean, really special. In my preseason picks, I said Washington and Oregon would go to the Pac-12 championship game because I thought those two would be the best teams in the conference. I think that's true as of right now, as we sit. A lot of football left. These teams also have to play each other. It's going to work itself out. Washington, really good. Alabama was kind of left for dead. They turned it on really, really hard in that second half. Shut down Ole Miss, got a big win. Florida State survives at Clemson. The Tigers did more to lose that game than Florida State did to win, in my opinion. And then you have a team like Penn State who held Iowa, suspect offense, we know this, 33 plays for 76 yards for the Hawkeyes. Of these teams now that are behind, you know, we talked about Ohio State, we've talked about Notre Dame. We know Georgia's going to be there. They're not going to be tested. We know Michigan's there. They're not going to be tested until Penn State. But of these other teams behind, Washington, Alabama, Florida State, Penn State, Oregon, Utah, David, what teams to you should be getting more credit than they are? And which of these teams has a good path to get to the college football playoff. Like who should we be taking seriously? Well, I think you should take all those teams seriously. And I'll kind of run through the list here. I'll start with Washington. Washington hasn't really been tested yet. They got that big win over Boise state. That's probably the best win on their schedule right now. Other than that though, Tulsa at home, Michigan state on the road in their first game without Mel Tucker and Cal at home. 
not exactly a great schedule, but they'll get their chance. They get Oregon in a couple of weeks, and then they end the year with a crazy gauntlet. USC on the road, Utah at home, at Oregon State, and then, of course, the Apple Cup at home against Washington State. So they'll get their chance to be tested on the national stage. I'm excited for that. I do think they're for real, but I want to see a little bit more. Alabama, yeah, nice win over Ole Miss. Not really sold on Ole Miss either. They kind of struggle with Tulane. Uh, but a nice win, one they had to have. And like I said on last week's show, I'm not doubting Nick Saban until, you know, he's on the mat and the clock is a zero. Uh, Utah, I like what they've done without Cam Rising. Now they get him back. Uh, number 10 in the country. Again, another team that's going to have a gauntlet here. Obviously, they go to Washington on the 11th. They got Oregon State coming up on Friday on the road. USC in a couple of weeks on the road. Oregon at home the week after. Uh, Pac-12. Really, really, really going to have a gauntlet here at the end of the year. It seems like they backloaded their schedule. Um, so that should be really fun. Pac-12 after dark is going to be fun in late October and November. Uh, Penn State, I really like what Penn State's doing. Drew Aller looks to be the real deal. Their running back uh, running back room is very strong overall. Defense looks good. Held a very suspect Iowa team, like you said. Um, but still, I mean, zero points is zero points. I like what the Nittany Lions are doing. They'll get their chance against Ohio State and Michigan coming up later. Uh so, yeah, I think all these teams are kind of real. I think this is probably the most open year in college football we've seen in a while. There's a lot of teams that can make some noise. Uh, there's not a lot of teams that have been eliminated yet early in the year like we've seen in years past. Uh, so I think there's a lot of teams that could be for real. And I think by the end of October, we'll really know, you know, who the final eight or so teams, eight to ten teams are that will contend for those four playoff spots. I'll say two things to what you were just saying. Number one, with Washington, I'm looking at these teams like, what have I seen before that reminds me of this Washington team? And I think back to Tennessee from last year, high-flying, receiver-centric offense with a vertical passing attack and great quarterback play. I think Washington this year is Tennessee from last year. Hendon Hooker didn't get hurt. Maybe the Vols make the playoff. Washington certainly has that opportunity. And then Florida State, big win over LSU, big win over Clemson. Now, we know Clemson's not as good as we anticipated, but I also think it's fair to say neither is LSU. So therefore, is Florida State really this good, or are they getting a little bit more hype because of our preseason notions that LSU and Clemson were both top 10 programs? So we'll get to see some of that here over the next couple of weeks. Just some storylines to watch there. Yeah, I think... Florida State specifically, again, another team that'll get their chance, albeit they play ranked teams, but less highly touted ranked teams. They'll get Duke in a couple of weeks. They'll go uh, to Gainesville to finish the year, and then they get Miami at home on the 11th. That 11th weekend looking really strong, by the way, early here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Florida State specifically, Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, offense looks good, Mike Norvell, the energy is high. I think that's something that hasn't been said in Tallahassee in a while. The energy is high. And I think that alone will propel them kind of forward here, getting through the slog of October and November. Absolutely. And David, let's turn the page here to this coming week. A couple of games here to discuss before we get into our picks. USC Colorado, we're going to pick it. Travis Hunter not going to play. We thought Colorado would be able to stay in the game more so with Oregon, but I thought Colorado has a better chance to beat USC if Travis Hunter plays. After seeing now Colorado play a legitimate top 10 team, how do you feel about them without giving away your pick playing against a team like USC who has a strong offense, but defense 
not nearly as good in line play, not nearly as physical as a team like Oregon. No, I think you you hit it right there. I think Shador will put up some numbers. I think they'll score some points. You know, there's still weapons there without Travis Hunter. Um, and I think the the offensive line will play better this week. I think both lines will play better this week just because, like you said, USC is less physical, and I think that helps Colorado in this case. I still think the Trojans win handily, uh, but I think Colorado at least gives it a better game. Now, it is a shame that Travis Hunter isn't playing. College football would be better if he was playing. Oh, absolutely. His talent level is someone you need to have on the field, and Colorado gets the opportunity to have him on the field both offensively and defensively, which makes his loss that much more felt. So now let's look at a couple games here before we get to our picks. I think Kentucky's one of the sleeper teams in the SEC this year because the SEC is not as good as we thought it was going to be. Outside of Georgia, and even Georgia hasn't shown us anything flashy. It doesn't look very good. LSU's not as good. Alabama's not as good, though I do think Alabama still wins the West. Kentucky hosts Florida this week. Big opportunity for the Wildcats to get to 5-0 and there under Mike Stoops. And then you have Georgia playing Auburn and Notre Dame playing Duke. I think this is a trap game for Notre Dame. But of those three teams, who's most likely to be caught on upset alert this week? Or do you give a reason for all three of them to be on upset alert this week? I think I think it's Kentucky. I think this is this is the type of game that if they lose, it's a spiral from there. And I think even if they win, it's a spiral from there. I mean, you got Georgia next week, Missouri at home the week after, Tennessee at home the week after that, at Mississippi State, and then again another great game on the eleventh. They'll take Alabama at home. Um, so I think Kentucky is probably in the danger zone. I know they're five and zero, but they beat nobody. Or they're four and zero, I guess. They beat nobody. They beat Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, and then Vandy. Um, so it's a pretty weak four and zero. And for me to give them any kind of respect, they got to beat Florida this weekend and at least give Georgia a game next week. No, you're you're exactly right. And they have the opportunity in front of them. And getting to five and zero and getting a win over one of their tougher opponents is a great way to propel themselves into those other matchups because Florida's defense is real. It's been playing outstanding, and just if they can have an offense to back it up, they will be able to make some noise in the SEC East. But, David, let's get into our picks here. As we stand right now, my record on the year 17-10-1, and and then you missed a week, so a couple games off here, 10-10-1. So first game we'll pick is that USC-Colorado game. Trojans favored by 21-and-a-half. That half point could be a big difference. Game in Boulder. How do you see this playing out? Well, first, I got to say, I'm pretty behind the eight ball here. You are just kicking my butt. I got to go seven and oh, just to match. Um, so I, I really hope the viewers out there, I guess I wouldn't have lost them any money, but they should be listening to you more. Maybe they could turn a profit. Um, I'm going to take USC in this one. I, I think it's going to hit right around this line. Uh, I'm going to take USC just because the last week I picked Colorado and and that did not work out. So I'm going to fade Colorado this week just to switch up the mojo a little bit. That works. And and to your point there about listening to me versus listening to you, since you did miss the one show, maybe we'll base this off of percentages at the end of the year for who actually wins this challenge since I do have seven extra games on you. Anyway, I said that Colorado would have a better chance to beat USC than Oregon. Travis Hunter, though, not playing. I gave him the benefit of the doubt last week. I'm not going to be able to do it two weeks in a row. I will take USC to cover as well. I just don't think 
they're going to be able to muster up enough. Having Travis Hunter to take away one of USC's receivers, I think would help a lot. And that's where his absence will be felt more so than on the offensive side. As you already mentioned, Shador Sanders should put up big numbers this weekend. Our next game into the SEC just talked about it. Florida at Kentucky. Game is basically a pick 'em. As we stand right now, though, the line is Kentucky by one. And that is how many points you need to win a football game. So who wins? Taking Florida in this one, I think it'll be close. I think Kentucky at home helps. Um, but, you know, they're getting the the three point for being at home. So essentially, I kind of feel like this is Florida minus two, and I'll take Florida. I do like Florida's defense here, but I think Devin O'Leary steps up for Kentucky. Mike Stoops gets a big win, and it lasts for just one week. Because, like you said, the schedule really ramps up after this weekend. Stay in the SEC here. Georgia favored by 14 and a half traveling to Auburn. Could this be a trap game for the Bulldogs? We thought South Carolina could nab them. First half they did. Second half, though, Georgia turned it on. How do the Bulldogs look against the Tigers? I'm feeling pretty good about Georgia here. I'm going to take them, and I think it's a blowout. I debated for all of five seconds taking Auburn in this game. I just don't trust them enough yet. We'll see what Hugh Freeze can do. I just don't think it's there in year one. Georgia will cover the spread on the road. Though it won't look as easy early, but Georgia, similar to the South Carolina game, turn it on late. Kansas at Texas, problematic matchup for the Longhorns the last couple of seasons, but they are at home favored by 16 and a half. Jayhawks are an improved program. They really are. They deserve respect. This is not a layover game here. Can they cover that 16 and a half on the road? You know, this is an interesting one. I think you're right. Kansas is, is a legitimate program now. You can't look at them anymore and say, okay, we're going to win by 50 this week. And obviously, Texas has had their struggles with Kansas in the past. Let's not forget that. Um, I think, and, I, and I've heard this discussed a couple of times on, on various programs and on Twitter and whatnot, uh, that Texas is a little different this year because usually what they'll do is they'll get up for the big games and they'll kind of fade away for the smaller games and play to the level of their competition, but they haven't done that yet this year. I'm going to take Texas for that reason. Although I could see this going Kansas's way in terms of a cover. I don't think Kansas can win this game outright, but I could see this one being close. If Texas regresses back to that, we're going to play down to the level of our competition, Texas team. I have a lot of respect for Texas this year. I think Quinn Ewers is a brilliant quarterback. His defensive line is tremendous. They're very physical, but this game poses matchups for Texas all the time. Let's change things up a little bit here. I will take Kansas to cover in this matchup. I think they can keep within that 16 and a half, and Texas only win this game by two touchdowns. Now we'll go to another tricky matchup in the SEC. Seems to be a theme this week. The LSU Tigers on the road, favorites by two and a half against Ole Miss, who just got suffocated in the second half there against Alabama. Do the Rebels find a way to bounce back, or is this one all by you, Bengals? I don't really think either of these teams are that good, but I'm going to take Ole Miss to cover. I think they'll get it at home, um, but I could see it either way. I really don't think either of these teams are anything special. I wasn't big on Ole Miss at all at the beginning of the season. They gave me a little bit of reason to believe there. The first couple of weeks, I know that game against Tulane, but it's Tulane still at the same time. I think LSU will pull this one out. I just don't see enough from Ole Miss to be able to muster up the offense against a decent there LSU defense. But you're right, neither of these teams as good as we expected. So LSU to cover. This is the trickiest matchup, I think, of the entire weekend. Notre Dame traveling to Duke. College game day will be 
in Raleigh for the first time ever. This is for Duke football viewers. Let's not mistake this for a basketball game. Notre Dame favored by six points, coming off an emotional loss to Ohio State. Really, really difficult spot. Going to see how Marcus Freeman manages the emotions of his team. I like that he has a veteran quarterback in Sam Hartman to settle everybody. But does Notre Dame get the win on the road? Six-point favorites. I think they do. I think they do. I think they cover, although I think it's going to be right around that six mark. I can even see Duke covering as, you know, a three point here. I think Sam Hartman is is going to be the X factor in this game. I think they're going to lean a lot on the running game as well with Estime um, and the four other running backs that they rotate in throughout the game. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm feeling Notre Dame here. I think Duke is, is a good team, but, you know, we saw Clemson lose a home again to Florida State. Um, so maybe Duke's win isn't as great as, as it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm still liking Notre Dame in this one. Sam Hartman goes back to North Carolina, where, of course, he spent a lot of time at Wake Forest in Winston-Salem. So I'm, I'm going to take Notre Dame here. You said exactly how I was going to, that Sam Hartman will be the X factor. I think this game is ugly in the first half, maybe at least for the first quarter and a half for Notre Dame, just coming off of the emotional loss. But Sam Hartman in that running game, Notre Dame will begin imposing its will there late in the second quarter and into the second half. When Duke played Clemson, Clemson didn't execute anywhere inside the 40-yard line. They just could not do it. Multiple turnovers. Duke got a lot of breaks in that game, and rightly so because they earned it. They were the better team that night. They played that way, and they capitalized. I don't think, though, Notre Dame will make as many mistakes as Clemson, so Notre Dame is going to cover that six on the road in a another tough win. The Irish have a sneakily difficult schedule this year. This just is another way of having a tricky matchup. Final game of the week here, Alabama. Big win over Ole Miss last week to get back on track. 14.5-point favorites on the road in Starkville against Mississippi State. Do the Tide continue their streak and cover yet again? Yes, they do. This is the easiest one for me. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like Alabama with the points here. I think the Tide are going to roll. Milrow has a big game on the ground, but I think Alabama finds a little bit more of a vertical passing game than they've been accustomed to this entire season. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, don't doubt Saban until it's time to doubt him. I keep saying it over and over and over, but right. they're not dead yet. No, no, not at all. I actually think that their path to the playoff is is getting easier by the week. And you could say, well, Blake, how in the world could you think that when you have all these teams in the top 10 and top 15? Very simple. The SEC West is not that good. The SEC East is not that good. Alabama and Nick Saban can win one game against Georgia. Now, that's easier said than done against Georgia. But if it essentially comes down to a one-game season and they just run through the SEC West and you got one game against Georgia for a spot in that playoff, you bet everything you have Alabama shows up in that football game. They may not win it but they will show up in that football game. And I believe in Alabama for that reason, because now that matchup against LSU or Tennessee or Auburn, it doesn't look as hard as it was going to. Even Texas A&M, Alabama's schedule we thought was going to be tricky, but those big matchups are all at home except for Texas A&M. I like the tide here. They are not dead yet, just like you said. Nick Saban is not on that mat. He is still standing. Yeah, I agree, and I like how you said it. They just got to win one game against Georgia, not hiccup in the rest of them, and, and they're in. So, yeah, I think uh, the Tide are, are certainly contenders, and honestly, you might go throw a little bit of money on them to win the national championship here now that we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, we're getting 
I think we started the season at low tide, and now we're going to get our way into high tide. It's just going to keep on coming in until that SEC championship game the first week of December. So, yep, not a bad week of games this weekend. Not as good as last week, and not as good as what we're going to have here in October. It's going to be nice to just see how everybody finishes September. I am going, as promised, make some changes to my top 10 next week and really adjust from five weeks of football what we were able to see and who's really good. Washington looks to be a big mover in that, and it's going to be reflective of what we've seen on the field and no more justifying those preseason projections. But, guys, thank you for listening. Continue to follow us on social media, at Saturday Cadence on Instagram and Twitter, at Saturday Cadence Pod on TikTok. Guys, over 700,000 views last week on all of our coverage thank you so much for all of your support continue to follow us like and subscribe to the show share that with your friends let's keep pulling along through this college football season good start to the season in september looking forward to october we will come back next week and break it all down for you as we get ready for the biggest month of the college football season today Thank you for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast and follow our coverage by tuning into our website, tsilverbulletin.com and following us on social media at tsilverbulletin on Instagram and Twitter, as well as at Saturday Cadence on Twitter. If you follow those social outlets, you will stay up to date with the latest recruiting news, the latest around college football and the latest just touch points where we can post clips from the show and you guys can continue to digest content in any way that we can get it to you. Also, if you would share the show, we would greatly appreciate that as we continue to grow our audience. Again, thank you guys for listening.